Daryl Williams the year before had 57 targets of his own. So it's not like talent really matters for that role with Biennemi. And I think it's Antonio Gibson's role. Yeah, Antonio Gibson. The more I the more I think about him, the higher I get on him. Just because I mean, with JD McKissick gone, Brian Robinson is not a receiving back. The Wag Me Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Colin Garini and Nick Musto. You know, first I have to ask you, how are you holding up after the Celtics went down 3 0? Uh, you weren't I was, expecting, I was expecting this. this to come. <laughs> uh, I'm not well. I, we, you know what it is? We're going to be the first team to come back from down 3-0 <laughs> no nah, that's gonna be lebron he he was the first to come back from 3-1 he's gonna rewrite it's all a part of the script i would rewrite the history books here. i was texting my friends earlier today i was like um this is it's like the script i really hope that everything's rigged and that this is all the script that the celtics and the lakers like the biggest rivalry of all time works itself out both down 3-0 that would be way. too perfect if it was script writers though they'd give it to the Lakers for LeBron, but at least we made the final. When I was <laughs> like, I haven't caught up. I've been anti NBA for so long. I haven't caught up with the league in probably five years now. When I was looking through the game results yesterday, I was like, who the hell are these guys on the heat? There's like G Vincent. <laughs> Max, yeah, exactly. Like I had no clue. I recognized Kevin Love who got like four minutes in the game. And then Kyle Lowry's like their seventh man. Kevin Love has like all gray hair. I know. <laughs> I know. That that was last time I was checking in on the NBA. He was nice and brown hair, yeah. superstar for the the uh Cavs. But um yeah, I just I just want to ask you check in, make sure your fandom is hanging up, holding up tight. Halftime was as far as I made it. You know, why do we do this to ourselves in sports? We love teams passionately for no reason. And it seems like there's only pain. There's seldom pleasure. Because it makes up for it in the one year out of 15 years that they win the title of whatever sport it is. It's like cocaine. Those peaks are way uh-huh. too high for my liking, man. Uh-huh. Um, so let's dive in. There's plenty of busy running back rooms, a lot of committee backfields this year. We did something similar last year where we broke down every single one, how it's going to impact fantasy football. So let's dive in again. And I think we started last year's episode with the same backfield because it's the first one you think of when Mm -hmm. you say committee backfield. That's a Green Bay Packers. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, they're two-headed monsters coming back. Now, the thing is, two years ago, A.J. Dillon out-touched Aaron Jones, partially because Jones missed two games. Um, But he nonetheless, he still out-touched him on the ground. This year was a little bit different. Aaron Jones handled 27 more carries and 31 more receptions to the air. That's his specialty. But how does this group unfold? Um, I think that we see a similar split compared to what we did last year. Um, In last year, we saw more A.J. Dillon towards the end of the season. Uh, I think Aaron Jones was injured for a portion of that stretch. A.J. Dillon, I think he had like two games over 20 points PPR. it was touchdowns. That was the big difference maker near the end. But Aaron Jones, like he was electric, averaging like five yards per carry to start the season. Um, one of the best running backs throughout the first like eight weeks of the year until he suffered somewhat of an injury. Um, 
the, the closer they got, the more A.J. Dillon we saw. Jones had 38 touches inside the red zone to Dillon's 29 touches. Dillon had 16 rushes compared to Jones's eight inside the 10-yard line. Um, it was a 7-to-1 favor inside the two in the favor of Dillon. Um, so he still had the, the goal line role on lockdown. Now without Aaron Jones, I'd imagine that role gets slightly diminished. You know, they're not going to have as many scoring opportunities this year. Yeah, I would expect them to score less touchdowns as a whole as a total. Um, I, I also expect some regression in the rush in the running game in general, just because you're going to the defenses will be able to focus on the running backs, knowing that that is the Packers bread and butter at this point with Jordan Love at quarterback, um, two young receiver receivers and Dobbs and, and Watson. Um, I would I would just expect them to be able to hone in on Dylan and Jones as they probably will carry the majority of the offense on their shoulders. A little less flair. Now I have to be devil's advocate here and point out Aaron Jones's age. He's 28. He turns 29 during the season next year. And we saw those snaps begin to tilt from Jones to Dylan's favor towards the end of the year. In 11 of the first 12 games last year, Jones outsnapped Dylan. Well, Dylan got the better part of him towards the last third of the year three out of the last five games, we saw Dylan on the field more than Aaron Jones. You already mentioned that they have a young receiving core, um, but it also lost a lot of targets last year between Randall Cobb, Al Lazard, Robert Tanyan. That's 217 targets freed up. So there is a large target share to be devoted to the running backs. It seems rather insulated that Aaron Jones is still going to see his receiving production what do you think about that i think aaron jones still holds the receiving game on lockdown aj Dillon is capable catching the ball out of the backfield but aaron jones excels at that he's one of the best in the league at receiving out of the backfield um, i would also expect aj Dillon to out touch him in the red zone again he's just a bigger body guy fits that role more so than eight than aaron jones does although i i'm a big aaron jones fan yeah we are aaron jones's number one fans everybody if you've been listening you are well aware we have Aaron Jones tattooed on our buttocks. Me the left, Nick the right. Actually, when we can, no, I can't get into that. <laughs> Let, let's stay in the NFC North because this one is actually very busy for committee backfields. And unlike Green Bay, who has the same committee returning from last year, we're going to go down to Chicago, a new one-two punch in their backfield. Deontay Foreman was signed to replace David Montgomery as Khalil Herbert's um partner in the backfield and Chicago became the fifth team ever last year run for over 3,000 yards in a season that's because I mean Justin Fields had over 1,200 yards himself we've seen with the Ravens over the last couple of years they're two of those other four teams in NFL history with 3,000 plus yards they have Lamar Jackson Chicago has Justin Fields so it definitely pads that team total I like Khalil Herbert a lot more than Deontay Foreman, even though Foreman's probably going to vulture touches when they get closer. But Herbert's the lead back here. He averaged over five and a half yards per carry last year, excelled when he was given the opportunity. In the four games with 12 plus touches last year, he averaged 18 points per game, finished in the week's top 25 backs each one of those games, including an RB1 overall finish with over 150 yards and two touchdowns in a game last year so I think he's an excellent back yeah I agree with you I think that Foreman is I, well sorry I disagree with you I think that Foreman is the better of the two running backs I know that Cleo Herbert had a great 
uh, season when Dave Montgomery was out due to injury. But Deontay Foreman bounced back from an Achilles injury, uh, balled out on the Titans and the Panthers last season. Um, Mainly the Panthers. I don't even know what he did for the Titans. No, when Derrick Henry was injured, he did put up numbers. Two years we ago, we yeah. saw him play. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. We saw we saw game. yeah we saw Deontay Foreman act. He, he did torch us a little bit in that game. It was it was a tight game. Granted, uh, I have to remind you because I love knocking on the Steelers. Their rush defense was the worst that year in the league. It was, and it probably will be again. Um, but yeah, I think Khalil Herbert has history with the team i think that's more valuable than we like to talk about we we try to look at things stat based but when when you're on a roster for a couple of years there's uh you have relationships they'll have you first in the lineup granted things can change it all when it comes down to the season it comes down to who's playing better right now um but yeah foreman and fields will limit herbert's upside near the goal line i do think herbert or foreman will carry that role more so than herbert he's a bigger body running back um foreman was 13th in red zone carries among running backs surprising when you think that uh carolina you know they didn't score touchdowns they didn't get there much yeah and you look at justin fields i know you're talking about what he does in yardage totals but he was second among quarterbacks in in uh red zone carries as well so there could be little upside touchdown upside just with fields there just like it is going to be with the rushing yards as well um but i could see both of them finding a, a running back three spot by the end of the season I think it comes down to we talk a guy in between the 20 yard lines and a guy at close range. I think Herbert's that middle of the field guy and Foreman's going to be brought in closer, but they signed him for a reason. It's not like they're going to totally go to one back. We saw them split last year with Montgomery. Yeah, and we might as well stay in the division talking about David Montgomery. He goes to Detroit along with Jameer Gibbs, rookie running back drafted in the first round out of Alabama. Um, Williams and Swift were both top 24 backs last year. That's Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Um, I think that we'll see the same from these two this year. I, I think that they both fit that kind of role, Gibbs and Montgomery, compared to the Swift and Williams roles. Swift being the receiving back, I think Gibbs fits into that situation, and then Montgomery being the red zone back, and I think that he'll fit into that role very well in Detroit as well. I think there's enough uh, food to go around for everybody to eat. There's 421 touches freed up between Williams and Swift last year, so we're talking about a team that likes to use two backs. Dan Campbell has made it uh, obvious that he's willing to use multiple backs. I mean, he signed. He went out and signed David Montgomery to an $18 million contract. You're not going to burn that kind of cash on someone you're not using. And then he, the, the Lions got their guy at Gibbs. They've stated they were going to take him at the six overall pick. I doubt it. I doubt, I think that was bullshit. But um, they brought both guys in. Plenty of touches to go around. And I just want to do a pro Jameer Gibbs campaign over the past 15 years 11 backs were selected in the top 12 picks of the NFL draft. Only CJ Spiller, Ryan Matthews, and Darren McFadden total less than 195 touches their rookie year. The uh, 11 backs averaged 1,380 yards from scrimmage in their rookie year, and the hit rate is very high. You think about Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Zeke over that time frame. A lot of very successful running backs when taken that early in the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of upside for him, especially when they spend that high of a 
draft pick on him. Uh, what surprised me here, though, was Dan Campbell was very adamant about how much he loved David Montgomery when they brought him in, um, saying that they hated playing him twice a year. He was glad to have him on his roster. And then they go out and spend this high draft capital on Gibbs. So that kind of threw me for a loop when they when they made that draft pick. I thought it was an interesting pick, and I think it's a really good pick. This offensive line is fantastic. And Jared Goff played at a very high level last year. So there is a, definitely a lot of room for both running backs to be very fantasy relevant. Do you, do you think both can finish in the top 24? I I do think, yeah, I do think that they can both finish in the top 24. I think that Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift would have last year. If, they did. If they did. DeAndre Swift finished yep. per, Even, per game. No, no. Total? He was the RB like between 21 and 24 last year, wow. even despite missing those games. Huh. I guess when he did come back, he unlimited touches, but he still scored a few touchdowns. So I think it's a it's a good bet. Like I, I'm yeah. willing, I'm willing to go on a limb, and I'm going to have both in my top 24. I mean, uh, David Montgomery has never finished outside the top 24, and Jameer Gibbs is probably going to take on more of the receiving work. Now Monty can do everything. He's probably going to get his targets too. Um, but I like both. We might as well go to Jamal Williams's new team in New Orleans here. So why don't you kick us off? There? Yeah, he joins Alvin Kamara down in New Orleans in the NFC South, the worst division in football. Um, but yeah, last year we just talked about it. Jamal Williams scored 17 touchdowns in 2022, thrived in Swift's absence. And there's a chance that he'll have a free roll again pending Alvin Kamara's legal situation, uh, which we don't have too much information on. We have what you have. It's growing less likely the more we progress through the offseason. He pleaded not guilty. Uh, I know the the video looks like he was guilty, but he pleaded not guilty. And I think the longer we go, uh, the less likely Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended here. So should he have pleaded guilty? I'm not saying I'm, I'm no I'm no attorney. I'm no lawyer. I'm no judge. Yeah. All I know is I love Alvin Kamara on the field, and I I hope he's not suspended at all. Well, Alvin Kamara over the past couple seasons has not been the Alvin Kamara that we know and love. The Christmas game Alvin Kamara with six touchdowns. Um, Merry Christmas to you. There it was. It was Merry Christmas. He's only scored 13 touchdowns in the past two seasons, and he's seen his receiving work drop somewhat. And that's where he makes his bread and butter. Like he is a, a receiving back. He's one of those guys that you can count on to have a sure baseline based on his receiving work. I mean, I'm just going to butt in and say, yeah, he's not going to catch over 80 receptions like he did with Drew Brees. But, you know, 57 receptions last year, I'm taking that all day from my running back in fantasy. Yeah, 57 last year, 47 in 2021. And yeah, he had over 80 in uh, four straight seasons to start his career with Drew Brees. So that is the big difference. And they do a poor quarterback play too now. So, well, we'll see. We'll see how the quarterback back play works out so receiving work could be a little lighter for Kamara the touchdowns are going to be hard to find with Jamal Williams brought in I mean that's his specialty Uh, Kamara could be seeing more of a split than ever but he has been here before him and Mark Ingram both finished as top 12 running backs in like 2018 or something like that Um, I think he's someone that works better with less touches uh, but it, it'll be interesting how they split up the workload. I see Williams as a short range guy, Kamara as the 20 to 20 guy uh, for that comparison again. Um, but I, I like both running backs. I like where they're both going in drafts right now. Not sure which one I prefer based off their price tag. 
And I was surprised looking back at the stats that Jamal Williams posted last year, a uh, thousand yards on 4.1 yards per carry in 2022. Um, I did not think that he totaled that much on that efficient of a carry total. Um, I thought that he was going to be at like a 3.3 kind of guy, just eating off of the red zone work. But now he he was efficient in the work that he got to a degree. 4.1 is it's average to say the least yeah you you expect that out of a starting running back Mm -hmm. let's stay in the division again and this is like my this one i'm gonna spend 30 seconds on the atlanta falcons drafted Bijan with the eighth overall pick still have tyler algier and cp there cordero patterson uh to summarize Bijan. next question could be the rb1 overall next year yeah i get it atlanta's very run dominant under arthur smith had the most team rush attempts last year. Uh, I view Tyler Algier as the best handcuff in fantasy football, but I don't see him having any standalone value. Yeah, I was going to say I don't see Algier as anything other than a handcuff and a very valuable one, but he's not. he will not be startable. Since we're talking about a rookie running back, why don't we go to your least favorite rookie running back of all time, not even this year, into the Seattle backfield. Yeah, Char- uh, Zach Charbonnet. I hate. I hated the pick. Uh, it made sense for the Seahawks, but I hated the pick. He joins Kenneth Walker in Seattle. Kenneth Walker was the RB8 from week 6 to 17, and I was very glad that I held on to him for those first painful six weeks of him doing absolutely nothing on the score sheet. Um, it came through. He balled out RB8. Um, but now Zach Charbonnet comes to town. I really don't like that he's going to have a split, but I do think there will be one. Um, Walker averaged 16.4 points per game when you remove the games that he didn't start or he left early in. He did leave early in two games to end the season, um, which is concerning. And that might be why they ended up bringing in Charbonnet is because if, if this guy can't stay on the field for 11 weeks that he was starting, then then he, it might be worth a handcuff here. You want to say the boom plays again? We did it last episode. Go ahead. Yeah. What was it? it was he was like last in uh, in. He had the most carries where, where he got less than expected yards. And then he also had the most boom plays in the NFL, which is like over 15 yard rushes. So, yeah, yeah he he is the definition of the boom bust running mm-hmm. back. And I will say that his red zone work, he actually handled the fourth most carries last year inside the red zone, which is pretty impressive when considering he was only utilized for more than a little more than half of the season. So I think the red zone is Walker's. He was very efficient there. Now, Charbonnet was a good receiving back in college. Uh, fifth highest rated PFF receiving grade among running backs in the draft class. Uh, Charbonnet, he could eat into those touches through the air, but that was like the knock on Kenneth Walker coming into the league. He really wasn't utilized in the passing game at all in his collegiate career. But I still think Walker is a better player. Should remain in charge. However, there could be a little bit more of a split than we like. Nonetheless, I think uh, people are going to discredit Kenneth Walker more than they should. He is a running back that I want to catch that drop in ADP. Would love him as my RB2. I think he's still a top 15 back. Definitely going to need to pay a little bit more attention to this backfield as we get through training camp, though. Yeah, I I, I know Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, too, and he he's the worst coach when it comes to getting information out of him and his opinion on the players 
we'll say everybody's great yeah i know <laughs> it's terrible so we will not we will not know an answer until week one really so we got two more teams in the nfc let's go to the last year's super bowl losers the philadelphia eagles we all know they traded for deandre swift they also signed former seahawk rashad penny who just is made out of glass and they also returned kenneth gainwell and boston scott so plenty of names there that are going to be on nfl rosters if it's philadelphia's or not we don't know uh one of them has to move you know they yeah. they can't bring in four uh quality backs into their final roster so last year was the first time we saw a running back actually take command of philadelphia's ground game Miles sanders over 15 rush attempts per game 12 per game in his first three years as an eagle Kenneth Gainwell, he was the lead receiving back. He has been since joining the team two years ago, but uh, that role is going to be forked over to DeAndre Swift. That's his specialty. Uh, Swift, an elite receiving back, fifth in yards per route ran last year, sixth highest target share among running backs, three plus receptions in 23 of his last 27 games. Yeah, I see. I really like the move that they made here, bringing in DeAndre Swift. I was really high on Rashad Penny before the trade. Um, this hurts me a little bit because Swift will eat into that. I think that Swift is probably the better player. However, they're both extremely injury prone. Um, so we'll see how that ends up working out. Like I said, Rashad Penny can't stay healthy. DeAndre Swift can't stay healthy. If one of them goes down, it could be insane what you get out of the guy that you do have that stays healthy. Um Swift is also not the most durable, missed three-plus games every season of his career. He's going to be given proper rest this season because, I mean, it's obvious at this point in his career that he can't stay healthy given too much work. So he will be given rest by the Eagles. And I think that that is it, – it sounds bad, but I think that it will benefit his fantasy owners um, in Probably. the future. Yeah, I mean, being able to last a whole season. Keep him on the field. The red zone, the money zone, uh, Philadelphia's got a juggernaut juggernaut offense we can't say that about many teams probably them cincinnati and kansas city are the only three offenses maybe buffalo too i would label that um but miles sanders was third among backs with 44 carries inside the red zone hertz had 43 of his own both players had 10 plus red zone touchdowns last year so there's plenty of opportunities from close range in this offense I don't see anybody being the preferred red zone back over DeAndre Swift. None of those guys are that thickly built except for Boston Scott, but I feel like he's the odd man out here. Yeah, it kind of this situation kind of reminds me of the Bears situation. Just, I mean, a quarterback with a lot of rushing talent, he's going to take red zone work from his running backs. But the difference is the Eagles offense is that much better and there will be a lot more opportunity to score, even though Jalen Hurts will be vulturing a lot of the opportunity. Last NFC team, same division, NFC East, the Washington Commanders, the Commandos. They bring back Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, their one-two punch from last year. And I think the the number one priority when I breaking down this Washington backfield is the receiving workload. There's no more J.D. McKissick, which is is the most important thing. 150 receptions over the past three seasons in Washington over four catches per game during his time. Now they have a new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. He's calling the shots in Kansas City. We saw Jarek McKinnon just build his fantasy uh, value through the air. 71 targets, nine receiving touchdowns, led all running backs in that category. Uh, Daryl Williams the year before 
had 57 targets of his own. So it's not like talent really matters for that role with Biennemi. And I think it's Antonio Gibson's role. Yeah, Antonio Gibson, the more I the more I think about him, the higher I get on him. Just because, I mean, with J.D. McKissick gone, Brian Robinson is not a receiving back. He's a bad back. I mean, last yeah. year he really struggled. He had a lot of games where he was averaging less than three and a half yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And Gibson, I mean, he was a receiver in college, 124 catches off 154 targets in his first three seasons. I really think that this is the guy that I want in this offense. Uh, averaged four targets and nine carries a game last year with Robinson in the offense. So there is a lot of room for him. And and if the commanders are able to see that Robinson is not the guy, we could see Gibson maintain the role in the receiving game and take more carries on the ground from Robinson. I think four targets a game is a safe bet for Antonio Gibson. It, It might be five or six next year. There's more opportunities for this position with an improved play caller and be enemy. Uh, the Sam Howell hype, I'm starting to hear it now. It's buzzing right now. I think Washington's offense is better than we credit, and I, I agree. Antonio Gibson is my guy in this backfield. He's someone that I'm going to love as my RB3 or 4, given that safe receiving floor. And he does have RB1 upside. I mean, finished as the RB8. Is, was that his rookie year? One of his first two years. Yeah. He was, he was he inside, touchdowns. He was inside the top 12 both of his first two seasons, yeah. so it's not like he's going to be – out of nowhere necessarily yeah he's just kind of forgotten about um all right that caps it off for the nfc let's move on to the afc here started off with the texans they have a a running back change here it's no longer just damian pierce devin singletary has come to town i like the trade i do damian pierce kind of struggled towards the end of the season uh, but to start the year he was great last year he was uh the lead back in houston averaged 4.3 yards per carry over a thousand total yards he was fifth in rush yards from week one through 10. So he was dominating top five. You see the NFL post their rushing leaders every week. He was he was in that picture every single week. Now, you said Damian Pierce had a backfield to himself. Come on now. Rex Burkhead. He, he Rex Burkhead, <laughs> um, Marlon Mack, Raheem Blackshear. Not Marlon Mack. Was there. <laughs> there was like three other guys. But yeah, so he's, he's had a lot of talent around him. No, mm-hmm. Devin Singletary, much more talented back coming into this offense. Miko Ryans is the new head coach, and he could bring over that 49ers committee backfield system with him. The the offensive coordinator for the Texans is also from the 49ers. So it would explain the acquisition of Singletary. You know, they may have found their guy in a rookie last year, a promising rookie running back, but they're going to be giving touches to multiple backs here. Um, I like... I'm not fond of either. I don't think Houston's offense is going to be, mm-hmm. it's going to take a step forward from last year, but I don't think it's going to be one of the most improved units we see. Um, what do you have to chime think, in on this? I think that Stroud could produce some sort of value to this offense. I don't, we don't know if he's better than Davis Mills. And I forget who the other quarterback was last year. Um, who cares? Yeah. Brock Osweiler. <laughs> No, uh, no, it was uh, Allen. What's his name? Kyle, Kyle Allen. Yep. Yeah, from the Panthers. Um, but yeah, we it, Bryce Young might be able to improve the offense a little bit. CJ Stroud. Or CJ Stroud, sorry, yeah. Um, but again, it, there's limited upside here in Houston, as there is every year. They were going to add someone. Singletary isn't the worst option or the best option for Pierce. 
not like he's, like he's a, a superstar. Yeah, and it's but he's not terrible either. Like he's he's been a decent running back in Buffalo, so he will cap Pierce's upside. Maybe last year we were looking forward to what Pierce could do in this offense. Next year, well, it's limited now with Singletary in town. Do you want either of these running backs more than the other, or is this a backfield you're just laissez-faire hands off? It depends on the value I can get out of them. If I can get them as like my RB four five, I'm not going to get them there though. So probably Singletary is the one I'd take because he's going to go a lot later in drafts than Pierce. I think I don't want either. Let's transition to Buffalo. Uh, Devin Singletary's predecessor is that the right term or replace? Let's just use replacement. <laughs> I don't know the word predecessor, but Damian <laughs> Harris. <laughs> Damian Harris joins this Bills backfield. That's already occupied by James Cook, second year running back out of Georgia, and Naheem Hines, who they acquired during the trade deadline last year. Do you want any of these guys? Because I don't. Josh Allen vultures every touchdown opportunity away, and there's just too many of them, in my opinion. I know you've talked about James Cook. I know you took him in our mock draft, too, that we did two weeks ago. Regretfully. Yeah. I I think that Harris would be my preferred running back. I, I We've talked for years about... Buffalo introducing a pass catching running back and that could hold value there, but it hasn't happened. I mean, they had cook last year and he was like hit or miss. Sometimes he was absolutely useless. Sometimes he put together a decent game. If he could find the end zone, I'll say this. He was efficient when given the opportunity over was over on nearly six yards per carry last year and nearly nine yards per reception. So he was efficient with his touches. Well, Singletary was at like four and a half too. Yeah. He's always been consistently. Yeah. It's just the offense. It's a good offense. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I'd rather Harris just because I think that he has the touchdown upside and I'd prefer that opposed to the the, the pass catching running back in that offense. See, I see no touchdown upside um, because Josh Allen has actually scored more rushing touchdowns than all running backs combined since entering this team. If Cook is the main beneficiary to Devin Singletary's absence, 178 attempts on the ground last year, 52 targets as well. I would assume Cook is the main beneficiary, then he would be a borderline RB2 like we've seen Devin Singletary. Right. And Singletary, I mean, he's put together some playoff runs for us in the past. Uh, yeah, I, I I take it back. I don't want any of these guys. I don't want Damian yeah, Harris. Uh, I don't want James Cook. I don't want nobody here. Um, but I do want some guys in their divisional opponent in Miami. I really like Miami's running back situation. They have Raheem Mostert. Jeff Wilson and Devon A. Chain. Is it Devin or Devon? Devon. It's Devon A. Let's just go with right. it. De- Devin A. <laughs> I'm almost positive it's Devon. I think so too. I think I've heard that. Um, yeah, it's a crowded running back room. But last year we didn't see the Dolphins show much commitment to an RB1 last season. It was it started off with Chase Edmonds to begin the year, and then it went to Raheem Mostert when Chase Edmonds was just not living up to any opportunity that he was given. Raheem Mostert took over, played very well. Then Jeff Wilson comes midseason from the 49ers. He kind of takes over the RB1 role. It was everybody, but whoever had the RB1 role between Mostert and Wilson, they produced. And those are both older running backs. There's nothing special with either of them, but they were able to be very fantasy relevant down the stretch. Even when, <coughs> sorry, even when they were both on the field, they were relevant. Mostert and Wilson both averaged over 4.8 yards per carry in 2022. Um, Mostert averaged 55 yards per game. And Jeff Wilson averaged 49 yards per game. They both scored three touchdowns. So it was a pretty even split when you get down into the numbers. I like both of these guys. And I do think that they 
that Devon Achim will be the odd man out to start the year, but there is opportunity to change that. Yeah, those two older veterans, they're both injury prone, but I think they deserve fantasy roster spots here. A-Chain will only prosper if there's an injury too. Uh, probably later in the season, we begin to see him take over perhaps the lead role, if not a more significant uh, co- command of this backfield. Wilson, Jeff Wilson projects as a starter splitting with Raheem Mostert for week one. But in four of the seven games, they both played together. Both of those backs, Wilson and Mostert, fish inside the week's top 30 backs. So there definitely is value in this Miami offense. It's one, it's an above average unit. Um, I don't, again, I don't like Buffalo. I don't think this is a backfield. I'm willing to take a risk on anybody unless if I can get a chain towards the double digit rounds, really close to round 15. Zay, I think I'm willing to take whichever guy's going later between Mostert and Wilson. I I think that Wilson will go ahead of Mostert. I'm willing to take Mostert as my RB4. I don't have any problem with that. He could be great again. I mean, last year, 4.8 yards per carry, 55 yards a game, scored touchdowns occasionally, and he was hurt. And if I spend low draft capital on him, I don't mind it if he gets hurt for a couple games. I'd rather have James Cook over all three. Obviously. I mean, he's probably going to be drafted over all of them. I don't know if I'd rather. I don't think I would. I think I, I'd rather have Moster and Wilson over James Cook. All okay. Right, write that one down. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll remember it. Um, so we saw Chase Edmonds get kicked out to Denver last year. Um, so now we're, we might as well analyze their backfield because it's definitely split. Yeah. Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan. Um, some news here about Javante Williams. It's a little bit encouraging. Could be ready to go by training camp. Take that as you will. Um, it was a it was a nasty ACL tear from what I've heard, similar to J.K. Dobbins, which does leave me skeptical because last year, um, leading up to the season, the reports were that oh, J.K. Dobbins could be ready to go by week one, and he he no, <laughs> it was week, week four, I think. Yeah, he can't, he he was supposed to be ready by week one. Came back, played terrible. Um, had some arthroscopic surgery. Did I say that right? On his knee. That was good. Yeah. Where they just kind of cleaned up some debris left in there from his major surgery. But when he came back, he was great. But anyways, Javante Williams has a similar injury to this. It's PCL, ACL, MCL. Yeah. Everything is gone. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning given that report. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of these early season. Yo, he's going to be ready. You need to just, I'll wait until August 1st to really gauge that. Samaji Piran was brought in from Cincinnati over four yards per carry last year, 38 receptions. That's kind of what he does is a receiving back. Williams, only a 4.4 yards per carry mark throughout his career, 1,100 yards on the ground, 400 through the air in 2021. So a great rookie season from him. You think it's concerning that he's only scored four total touchdowns. But I see it as he was just splitting with Melvin Gordon his first year. Last year just wasn't healthy, obviously. And Denver's offense was a crapshoot. So I like I'm not when Javante is 100 percent cleared for football. I don't think this is much of a split at all. I actually view it as a uh, handcuff slash third down back and a lead role guy. So why wouldn't it be a split when in Javante's first year? him and Gordon had identical stats, like same carries, same rookie yards. season. It was his rookie season. I mean, it's a, it's a rookie back. He's going to be phased into the back. He was really right. strong over the back half of that year. 
I get it, rookie, but then you look at other rookies, Brees Hall, Damian Pierce, Ken Walker, they all kind of... But Williams, okay, Damian Pierce... No just, competition. Yeah, crapshoot offense, no competition. And then difference of draft capital between him and Hall. Hall was a second-round pick. Javante was a fourth-round pick. And, uh, again, Brees Hall is competing with Michael Carter, not Melvin Gordon, one of the better running backs over the late 2010s. Okay, fair enough. I think that there will be a little bit of a split. Uh, if Javante Williams comes back, he's healthy by the start of the season. I think that we could see P. Ryan eat into that workload a little bit. Williams eventually takes it over. Over the first half of the season, yes, yeah. he's going to be phased in uh, like a rookie, ironically <laughs> enough. But I think Javante is someone that is going to be slept on a little bit towards draft season. I feel like uh, people aren't willing to jump on the, the wagon like they were last year with him. Yeah, let's just stay in the division, though. We got Jared McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all in Kansas City. I hate this offense. I hate projecting the receivers. I hate looking at the running backs. It's it just like gives me pain. 50 skill set players. Mm-hmm. And they all have different roles. Except for Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey has his role. It's just to dominate all the yards. Jared McKinnon handled the majority of the receiving work last year with 56 catches. Um, this is his third highest in Kansas City in total carries. McKinnon had 10 touchdowns, nine through the air. He was, oddly enough, the red zone target for running backs, surprisingly, because he's he doesn't profile as the kind of guy who gets red zone work that would, I think, fit more into Isaiah Pacheco's wheelhouse. Pro Antonio Gibson stat right there again. Uh, but yeah. no, back to Pacheco. He's, Pacheco really wasn't used until week 10. Over the back half of the season, he was excellent. He averaged the 21st most points among running backs during the second half of the season. Only 13 receptions, uh, which, like, going back to McKinnon, it's not going to be Pacheco's role in this offense. It's going to be someone else's, probably McKinnon again. Uh, But Pacheco should be offered a safe floor. He's the lead running back in a powerhouse offense. He was – if you take – the back half of his season and stretch it out over a whole season. He's approaching nearly 1,400 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns. That sounds like RB1 territory. Not, not going not gonna to get too crazy, but uh, he's definitely one of the better running backs in the league in terms of just rushing production. The good thing about him is, is there is opportunity to be a high-end running back here for Pacheco, considering that he will get a lot of work in this offense. It's just like... He, they they I mean they do the ring around the rosy in the huddle sometimes like you don't <laughs> Pacheco is not guaranteed any red zone work he will get some but it's gonna be a hit or miss if his number's called he'll probably score a touchdown but they call a lot of people's numbers in the red zone and we didn't mention Ceh at all why I, he's he's dead he's <laughs> me I hate him I hate Ceh metaphorically speaking <laughs> if he dies mysteriously over the next forty eight yeah, hours don't look our way it is not us. Um, so there's what 13 backfields that are probably the most split among offenses in in the league this year. Uh, a lot of value to dissect. I think we did a good job diagnosing that. I'll just end it here. Is there a handcuff running back that we didn't talk about in this episode that you're trying to acquire? Handcuff? Don't count Alexander Madison. I mean, you can, I guess, but. Elijah Mitchell will be my handcuff yeah. is my boy. I, I I hyped him up all last season, let down, but it wasn't couldn't project his injury. And then I couldn't project them sending a million picks to the Panthers for 
the best running back in football. <laughs> I didn't see that coming either. Yeah, no, uh, nobody did. I, I'll end this with saying Chase Brown, six-round pick out of Illinois to the Cincinnati Bengals. He's going to be a running back that I'm going to leave a lot of drafts with, especially if I can get him as Joe Mixon's handcuff in round 15. There I we like go. It. Split backfields. 